You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Danny Wexelman with Adam Barry, who covers the Pirates for MLB.com. And Adam, I know it's cold where you are. It's cold where I am. It's cold across the country, but thank goodness spring training is literally less than two weeks away as we're recording this podcast on January 30th. And the good news too is that you had Pirates Fest last weekend. So you kind of already got the warm up. You're getting a little bit of a taste of what it's going to be like in spring training. So I need I need to know one are you staying warm? And two, I need a couple of highlights from Pirates Fest. I am not staying warm, but hearing <laughs> less than 2 weeks to spring training warm me up just a little bit right now. Perfect. So that's good to hear. Uh, Pirates Fest, you know, overall, I think for fans, it's a really nice event. Being at the ballpark kind of shrunk down from previous years. You know, you get up close and personal FaceTime with players, coaches, alumni, you know, but what winds up, you know, coming out of the event is the big thing is always, you know, what the front office says at the Ask Pirates Management sessions that we'll talk about soon. But, you know, from my perspective, I sit in the media room and they basically bring in a player every half hour and we get a lot of updates and I would say generally from them, it was, you know, a pretty optimistic day, you know, talking about, you know, the things they've been doing this offseason. It was good to see Chad Cool getting ready to throw soon at the start of spring training. You know, that kind of important part of his Tommy John recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Bell talking about working out west with a personal hitting consultant. He's such a big, important uh, player for the Pirates this season. You know, Stephen Brault talking about revamping his delivery you know, and just the general optimism from the players about the rotation and the pitching staff that they're going to have, I think that kind of offsets some of the the other negativity that's just going to come out of a, a pretty quiet off season, and especially a quiet off season for the Pirates. Yeah, and when we say quiet, I mean really, really quiet. And we talked about how they may have made their biggest moves actually at the trade deadline um, mm-hmm. last season, but when it comes to payroll. Uh, is that has that been a good thing for their payroll? No, it has not been. <laughs> they are down to less than about seventy-five million right now. Depending on the math you do, it's between seventy-one and seventy-three million, which is fourteen or fifteen million, or maybe even a little more than that. The low where they ended last season, and currently the second lowest projected payroll fall. Now, some of those things change. You know, if guys hit performance bonuses and incentives, but either way, you're looking at a team with you know, a pretty open window to win, like we've talked about, because of those moves they made at the the last trade deadline, bringing in Chris Archer and Keone Kella to bolster a pretty good pitching staff. And they haven't really even spent the money that they, you know, lost or, you know, the, the salary that they parted ways with at the end of the season or, you know, at the winter meetings when they traded Ivan Novas. So, you know, Neil Huntington and Frank Coonley kind of had to make their arguments and defenses for it at Pirates Fest. You know, Frank Coonley pointed out that they're going to have a big arbitration class next season in the coming years, so the payroll will grow. But, you know, that's also leaving out the fact that Francisco Cervelli is entering the final year of his contract and Corey Dickerson's in his last year under club control. And the fact that they have such a tough division that, you know, Neil Huntington always says that payroll gives you a margin for error, and they need it, frankly. I mean, you know, things are not always going to go according to plan, and one thing payroll does give you is sort of the freedom to make mistakes, where if, you know, if there's an injury, you can 
go out and get somebody to, you know, need and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Or, you know, bring in a player who has a track record so you know that you're going to get consistent production from that spot. And really, the Pirates don't necessarily have a lot of margin for error on their roster, much less rules. So, you know, it's always tough for those guys because they aren't the people who make the budget. You know, the, most of the questions were directed in a way at, at club chairman Bob Nutting, who was not at the event. Uh, hopefully we'll get some answers on that front around the start of spring training, just as far as why payroll is where it is, you know, how much room they do have to grow, the flexibility they might have to add again during the season, stuff like that. Whereas, you know, at the event itself, it's Coonley, Huntington, and manager Clint Hurdle up in front of a crowd that is often angry. So they kind of have to, you know, defend themselves and gets a little confrontational, but you know, the, that's that's sort of the tough part. And that's always going to be the question around the Pirates. You know, I don't think anybody expects them to go out and spend $150 million or $200 million or spend with the big, you know, the big boys and the, you know, the big markets. But the fact that their payroll has come down when they did make their big moves at the last trade deadline is kind of a tough spot to be in. So I'm curious to get some answers from that once we get down in spring training and get a chance to talk to Bob Nutting and, and, and everything like that. Yeah, and, and you will. And, and what's great is we'll have the podcast, so we'll get to chat about that. But you did get some answers, some answers, I think, when it comes to the shortstop battle. Because all offseason, you and I have, have beat this this topic down with, with a meat cleaver, Adam. Uh, I don't own one of those, but I picture uh, you know people using that when they buy meat and stuff. That's what we've done on this shortstop topic. And I think... From what I've seen on Pirates.com, reading what you've written, it's been narrowed down to two guys, yeah? Yeah, it seems just from the way that they were talking at Pirates Fest that they're pretty confident going forward with their internal options, which are Eric Gonzalez and Kevin Newman, you know, heading into next season. So, uh, you know, Neil Huntington basically talked about Gonzalez as a young Freddie Galvis who just signed a one-year affordable, one-year deal with Toronto, and Kevin Newman is a young Jordy Mercer who obviously previously signed with the Tigers. So again, it's a margin for error and, you know, proven production uncertainty kind of thing. Those guys could be, you know, major league average or best stops. We just don't know yet. And I think that's, that's the kind of uncertainty that is sort of tough to deal with this time of year when you see free agents, pretty reasonable deals, or, you know, so many free agents out there on the market that, you know, you are kind of hoping and, you know, banking on, you know, what ifs essentially with these two, because what we've seen from the majors from both of them hasn't really been all that great. You know, you've seen a good glove, uh, you know, experience in multiple positions and some decent offensive indicators from Gonzalez. You know, he hits the ball hard, according to some of the stat cast metrics we've seen. We talked to him at Pirates Fest and he was really fired up. You could tell he has the the passion and drive and energy, you know, and want to, to be a major league starter. So those are the good things, but you know, the offensive numbers aren't there. He's unproven as an everyday player. You don't know how he's going to hold up if he has to be a regular guy, especially, you know, if the offensive production isn't there and it's kind of the same thing with Newman, you know, upside, maybe he is Jordy Mercer 2.0, you know, with a better average, more speed, but less power. That's kind of been the, you know, the label put on him since he was drafted in the first round in 2015. But the cons are, you know, you saw him last year, he wasn't good, you know, from late August to September. 
you know, Mercer's defense may be his upside. You know, I don't think people appreciate it necessarily just how steady and reliable Jordy Mercer's shortstop defense is. And that does matter, even if he wasn't flashy. You know, there's not a lot of power power in Newman's bat, so he is dependent upon, you know, hitting for contact and hitting for average. So, you know, there's just sort of a lot to weigh there. And, you know, maybe one guy will step up and claim the job as his own. Maybe they have to split time, you know, and maybe they're just kind of keeping the seat warm for Cole Tucker. But, you know, it's it's a position of uncertainty, basically. And, you know, the, that's not really something that you want to feel heading into spring training is uncertainty. You want to feel good about the guys on your roster. You want to feel good about your lineup one through nine. And right now, you know, there's kind of a lot of hanging your hat on hope uh, with the, the pirate shortstop position. And, you know, maybe it'll pan out, but we won't really know until you know, well into the season at this point. So it's going to be probably still the spot to watch uh, heading into spring training just from a position battle and, you know, what do they have their standpoint? Yeah, I mean, those guys are going to go all out. So I think that'll just be, that'll be nice to kind of have something um, to look forward to when you head into camp instead of everything kind of, probably the team would probably prefer it was settled. But um, for our enjoyment on this podcast, Adam, um, I like that there is a battle and and two worthy guys, I think, who maybe have the chance to show what they have. And, and um, you know, they might not be Jordan Mercer, but, you know, maybe they can be 2.0. You never know. Um, so that's kind of all the newsy things we have. So I wanted to play a fun game to, to kind of get us ready for spring training, Adam, uh, most likely to. So we're going to start most likely to start opening day. I'm going to go with Jameis and Tyone. I know Chris Archer is the more experienced guy, and they started Ivan Nova last season on opening day because he was the more experienced guy. But I think Jameis and Tyone is maybe the face of the franchise and the kind of guy they want to put out there is the ace, and you start your ace on opening day. That's right. That's right. That one felt like an easy one, Adam. Okay, how about this one? Most likely to break camp with the team that's not on our radar. Yeah, that's a good one because I think it depends a little bit on who's on your radar. For me, it's it's, <laughs> it's probably maybe Tyler Lyons, the non-roster left-handed reliever right. that we talked about. We talked about him earlier. Yeah, I think, you know, experienced, proven lefty. If he shows basically just that he's healthy and kind of recapturing that form he had in St. Louis, then he definitely has a chance to win a spot in that bullpen. So he would be my kind of non-roster guy, person on the roster, Pablo Reyes. He had a great September. He was really fun to watch in his big league debut. And I think at this point, he might be the fourth outfielder uh, just based on his ability to go play out there. You know, assuming Gregory Polanco is on the disabled list and Lonnie Chisenhall is in right field. You know, Pablo Reyes got him out of attention locally in September just because he was a fun story, you know, a small guy, you know, kind of an unheralded prospect who came out and just, you know, played his rear end off essentially in September and looked really good. Uh, so, but I don't think he's getting a lot of attention just because, you know, that was September and now you're heading into a new year, but I think he has a legitimate chance to crack the opening day roster. I hope you're listening to this podcast, Pablo. Um, n- next, most likely to drive the craziest car. I actually did some research on this one, and it's either it's one of the back end <laughs> relievers. It's either Felipe Vasquez, who has been Instagramming a lot about cars this off season, or it's <laughs> Keone Kella, who actually that's one of his passions is like you know buying and restoring classic cars. He talked about that a little bit when okay. we kind of got to know him last season. So it's going to be Felipe Vasquez with something like new and slick. Or Keone Kello with just like a 63 Chevy or something just blowing us all away. 
You're in for a treat then. You're going to be rocking that Corolla, <laughs> yeah, like right? Yeah, a rental Hyundai. <laughs> um, most likely to hit the first home run of the season. I'm going to say Adam Frazier, and I'm kind of betting on something crazy happening because I think he's going to be the leadoff guy. So I, my hope is that he goes out there and does what um, uh, whoever it was last opening day, just swing at the first pitch you see, hope to drive it. And that that could be the first home run of the season. Adam Frazier hitting the first pitch he sees of the season. If He's not, calling it. Adam Frazier calling it. One of the it. third basemen, depending on who starts the first game, Colin Moran or John Hogan. <laughs> that's my that's my other prediction. Okay, I like that. I like that. All right, first pitcher most likely to hit. Yeah, I think a home the run. last one to do it for the Pirates was Garrett Cole. Um, when he, he had one of those like little league games where he pitched seven or eight innings and hit a home run and won a one, nothing game. So yeah, him. So I'm going to go with somebody who came over in the Garrett Cole trade and that's Joe Musgrove. He is by far the most athletic pitcher they have. He's probably, he's maybe one of the best athletes they have on the team period. He loves to hit. He takes the batting practice on the field, even the days that he starts. So I'm going to go with Joe Musgrove. I like that choice. All right, most likely to throw the first complete game. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jamison Tyone. He threw two last year. The complete game is like a rarity, you know, in baseball in this modern era. Absolutely. But Tyone is a guy who prides himself on the ability to go three or four times through a lineup. He's done it before. He's, you know, led the team in complete games last year. So I'm going to go with Jamison Tyone. Most likely to hit the first walk-off of That's the season. That's a tough one. Um, I'm going to say Josh Bell because he has oddly great numbers throughout his career with runners in scoring position and in big spots. So I think he's a guy who likes the moment. So that's a tough thing yeah. to predict, but I'm going to go out there and say Josh Bell. Josh Bell, we talked about him trying to get that power mm-hmm. up this season. Most likely to get the first call That's up. Tough, depending on how the opening day roster shakes out, I'm going to say either Michael Feliz, the reliever um, who has options, could go down to AAA and would probably be one of their top depth uh, call ups, or Jose Osuna, who has basically lived in the role of 26th man the last couple of years. So he would be totally used to it. He's going to come out and do what he always does, which is hit 350 with like six home runs in spring training. People are going to get really <laughs> mad that he's not on the opening day roster, and then he'll be the first guy called up. Okay. Most likely to hit for the cycle. I'm going to say Starling Marte because I think he has the power to hit the homer and definitely has the speed to hit the triple. Uh, that's just that's such a tough thing that's to cute. do. So I think he is that kind of five-tool uh, guy who could do it. And uh, we have to give a shout out to the lovely dog that is also joining this yeah, podcast. Yeah, she's throwing Adam- a fit down here. That's right. She's going to have to wait. We're almost done. We're almost done. Cute doggy. All right. Most likely to get traded That's at the tough. deadline. I think it depends on where they are in the standings. Uh, you know, it could be a prospect if they're looking to add. But I'm going to say just based on past precedent, Francisco Cervelli, like I said earlier, entering his final season of club control, has that big contract, $11.5 million. Um, you know, the Pirates have depth behind the plate in Elias Diaz and Jacob Stallings. So I'm going to say if they're out of it, Francisco Cervelli. Okay. Most likely to get Can ejected. I, the first ejection. I, th- I think it's always the manager, right? <laughs> yeah. The players don't get thrown out as much anymore. Even managers don't get tossed all that often. But every once in a while, Clint has a good show in him. So I'm going to say Clint Hurdle. Clint Hurdle. All right. Most likely... 
to which team are they most likely to win their first series I'm against? I'm the Reds because I think they play them in two out of their first three series. So playing the odds, you know, if they're there twice on the okay. board, I'm going to go with the Reds opening series. And then I think their second home series is against the Reds. So I'm going to go with Cincinnati. Cincinnati, most likely to have the most stolen bases this Starling season. Marte. Uh, he definitely has the speed. He didn't get quite as many last season, but there's no doubt he has the ability to steal 30 or 40, uh, you know, as long as he's on base. And I think he's going to bat up top in the order. He's going to run. He likes running. He likes stealing bases. So I'm going to say Marte. <laughs> most likely to lead the team this in home runs. This is surprisingly tough, actually, because, you know, a year ago you might have said Josh Bell – he, you know, still has something to prove power-wise. I might have said Gregory Polanco if you could assure me that he was going to be healthy for the full season. So I'm going to go way off the board and say Jung Ho Gung has a comeback season, okay. establishes himself as an everyday player, and leads the team in home. But Polanco if he's healthy. Polanco if he's healthy. Okay. All right. Okay. I got a couple more for you. Most likely to lead the team with the most strikeouts uh, as in Chris pitchers. Archer uh, in this case, you know, Tyone might lead the team in innings or, you know, he, he could lead the team in strikeouts. It's entirely possible. But Chris Archer has been one of those guys who averages more than a strikeout per inning for a long time. So I think he's durable enough to, to rack up the innings that he needs. And I think he's got the stuff still to, to get that strikeout total up there. So I don't know if it's going to be 200, but I think it'll be pretty close if the season goes, uh, you know, the way he wants it to. Okay, don't mind the loud noises happening right now. It's just the uh, New York heating poles trying to warm up because we're freezing out here. Um, two more. Most likely to throw yeah, the no question hardest on this pitch. One. It's Felipe Vasquez. Uh, he was up there a couple of years ago. I think he uh, you know, got it up there to 104, 103. And I believe he wants to get up there with Jordan Hicks and throw 106 this season. So... That may not be in the best interest of Felipe's arm, but I think he is going to pretty much blow away everyone else with the hardest pitch on the team. That one was too easy. This one is not so easy, and I, I, I didn't preview this for you, so I hope I'm not catching you off guard. But most likely to win wow. the NL Central. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say I'm kind of high on the Cardinals this offseason. I don't know. That may change once I actually like see okay. everybody. You know, it's tough to pick against the Brewers based on what they did last season and the moves they've made this offseason. The Cubs have such a good roster, and if their pitching staff, especially the rotation, is stable at all, they have probably the best probability to do it. Um, you know, you like what the Reds have done this offseason, but I, I don't know if it's necessarily all there for them to, to make up the ground that they need to. Whereas I really like the Cardinals. I think they have a good lineup. I think adding Goldschmidt to Matt Carpenter is going to give them – you know, maybe a tougher one, too, than even, you know, the Cubs with Brian and Rizzo. I think the pitching staff's good. I love that they added oh, Andrew man. Miller. You know, I like the... We should have added you to the Cardinals was, podcast what, did, today. Have you done this with Jen yet? Yeah, did it with Jen. Um, Jen. Jen said the... Oh, okay. She said well, the Cardinals good. as Listen, well. If Jen said it, then you're yeah, in pretty, pretty good sure. company. I could be lying. I've done five <laughs> of these today, so I could be lying. Adam and Calvi said the Brewers... Um, 
And Mark Sheldon said, I think he said okay. the Cubs. I like to be different. So I'm fine. It's all over the place. I, you know, yeah. I could be completely wrong, but That's my right. early season hot take is that the Cardinals are going to win the division. And if they do, Paul Goldschmidt is going to be the MVP. Yeah, I got takes. Wow. Okay. Well, Pirates fans, cover your ears. Um, but the Pirates are going to be fantastic as well. And um, I think that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, Despite not really adding too much, I think I think the pieces, if they can fall in line, look, look what the one thing they have that maybe not every other team has is team chemistry. I mean, those guys clearly like each other. They spent time together in the offseason. You can see it on social media, and that is a huge key to success when you're playing game game 100, game 120, game 150. You got to be able to look next to look at the guy next to you and be like, suck right. it up, man. I think they have Let's a really good group in the clubhouse. And that matters. I think that got them through some stuff last season. And I think they have the pitching, you know, they might have maybe not the best pitching staff in the central, but they might have the deepest pitching staff in the central. I, I, I'd have to look at the brewers one more time. They obviously have that crazy bullpen and a lot of good stuff, uh, you know, happening in their starting rotation. But yeah. I think the pirates are going to be able to pitch every night. And when you can do that, you should be competitive. So you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the worst team in the division finished with what 80, 82 wins. Is that even possible? I mean, it's yeah. these are this is a really good division. I think it's probably the toughest division in baseball. So, you know, the Pirates could have a year out a good year outperform expectations and still finish in third, fourth, and maybe even fifth place. So we'll see. I I feel pretty good about the Cardinals, but they could wind up finishing in third. That's just the the way this division's shaping up right now. It's true. It's you know, true. We live in a, a society where all of our bad takes are brought back to us. So maybe that one will be brought back to me. That's right. That's right. If you were just tuning in to the baseball world, pirates.com to figure out what's going on in that world. Uh, Cause it's, it's exciting. And Adam Barry has you covered my friend. I appreciate your time and your hot takes as always. That's right. You got to get something to keep us warm. Maybe the takes will do it. The takes will do it for now with Adam Barry. I'm Danny Wexelman. Thank you guys so much for tuning in.